Well, good day, everyone. It's Ron Knights here at the Writer's Block, and I'm really pleased, proud, and, and happy to have with us today Mr. John Ward, a writer who has been here in the Lakeside area, Ahihik, for probably 20 years, close to 20 years. Uh, more like nine. More like nine. <laughs> okay. And uh, I see you do your research uh, really, uh, really, really well. As a matter of fact, I did a complete bio. You were just released from prison, I understand, yes, about three weeks ago. Wasn't yes, yes. I'm very proud to say that I finally got out. That's great. And do I understand that it was the men in the white truck that actually came with a net that had to bring you back out of the it home? It was, actually. Yes, they all had white nets, and uh, they wore them over their heads, and so uh, they're anonymous. Anonymous is a good place to be. That means they're all in the FBI witness protection program Precisely, in the United States. Yes. And that's why they're here in Mexico. And in fact, I am in the witness protection because that's why I'm wearing these pantyhose on my head. Well, good. And it's nice because you have a face for radio. Good. Perfect. <laughs> we are happy to have John with us today. John has some, uh, been spending the past two and a half years uh, accosting the community here with a brand new motion picture that he has actually enlisted everybody in the community to become involved with and he's got a premiere coming up here in the month of August 2014. He's very happy and proud of it and so is the entire community and I think as a background to this uh, let's talk a little bit about this event that happens as a regular event. John's film he can tell us about it, but he will describe that it is a mockumentary and as a writer of a mockumentary of a local event Perhaps why don't we talk a little bit about that film that you've created and what it's based on? Well, it's uh, more like, you know, I've wanted to do this. It's kind of a bucket list thing. Once I've got this done, I think I'll just roll over and die. That's my, my, my ambition right now. Yes, I have been accosting. I'm very good at accostations. And uh, we're going to be showing this to the entire uh, community here. It's available to the entire community. Unfortunately, there are only 300 seats, so people who need tickets need to get them now because they're going like hotcakes. Um, it's a mockumentary about how the Thrill the World program is organized by a wonderful woman called Elliot uh, Joaquim, who used to be a, a realtor here. I don't know if she's still doing that, but she definitely is. A, she's a ballroom dancer. She teaches ballroom, and she also teaches the choreography to this Michael Jackson Thrill the World thing, which happens every year at exactly the same time all over the planet. And so, in fact, if uh, it, it goes by Greenwich Mean Time, and Greenwich Mean Time, the year we filmed it was 9 p.m. So for us, it was 3 p.m., which is very convenient, because in Antarctica, uh, the penguins were dancing at about 2 in the morning, which is kind of tough. Uh, it's very cold at that time, I'm told. Anyway, but it happens all around the world, and uh, the Guinness people... Uh, get the numbers of people who are dancing, and they, they record it and see if it's a, a new world record. Is this the Guinness Beer people? Yes, the Guinness Beer people. They're very interested in, in uh, records. You know, I don't know if you knew that. It wasn't not just beer that they make. And they record how many people will be doing it, and if it's a record, they'll record that in their beer book. Okay, so let me qualify for people who don't completely understand this Michael Jackson thing. I mean, Michael Jackson is dead, so yes. what, what is it that people do that have anything to do with Michael Jackson? Some people may not be aware of what this event is and perhaps what, what the Certainly. content is and who he was and why are they doing it now. Understandable. Michael Jackson, although he has uh, departed this life, uh, still helps the Red Cross with his music because they grant the Red Cross. Um, we raise funds for the Red Cross with this dance. And uh, 
the fact that they can use the thriller song by Michael Jackson to dance the thriller dance, which is taken off his, his video. His, uh, but wasn't that the classic video that was first directed by Steven Spielberg back in the, the 80s? You're talking about the thriller. The, the thriller video, exactly. Right. That particular video. And everybody does that uh, choreography at the same time all around the world. And it's a fundraiser. Not, not everywhere in the world are they raising funds for the Red Cross. But here, when we do it, we do. We raise it for the Cruz Roja Mexicana, which is independent of the Red Cross uh, International. Interesting. And, and is there something unique about the history of Ahi Heek doing this, or is it different from the way they do this in other communities around the world? Well, the, the only unique thing is that we're here in the most beautiful climate on the planet, and it's done by Elia Joaquim. She organizes the whole thing. But in all other ways, it's the same as they do all over the world. Um, and it, it's very effective because uh, everybody at exactly the same time, you can actually, if you sit in your living room, you can feel the world kind of thumping as people dance the entire world over. Oh, I usually thought when I was sitting in my living room and I could feel the room thumping, it was my landlord banging <laughs> saying, are you coming out of there or are you paying your rent? Well, in your case, that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So then uh, what I'll say then is here we have a unique community. I would imagine that when this happens, what time of year does this happen generally? Um, it happens in uh, around Halloween, October, and uh, this year, I don't know the exact date, but it's, it's going to happen again. Okay, and so we have a unique community of expats, artists, uh, probably a very good community of dancers here. I understand that quite a few of our dancers had great histories in their careers in the past as dancers, so is this, is this an interesting see, thing here in Ahihik to see people well over the age of 85 on walkers dancing to these Michael Thriller songs? Absolutely. In uh, my movie, when we filmed the dance, one of the dancers was in a wheelchair. And so, yes, everybody participates. In fact, there are a couple of people who jump in, even though they haven't been taking lessons and studying the, um, the choreography. They jump in anyway and try to copy everybody else. So it's kind of a little bit, bit of a hodgepodge. But, yes, uh, in ev it's everybody. The entire community comes in, and artists, uh, hairdressers, dancers, and they all do this choreography. And it's a lot of fun because they all dress up as zombies, some of them don't really need to use much makeup, but uh, most of them put makeup on and, and they look like the living dead. Okay. So then let me ask you, this could have been construed as a documentary. This has been going on in Ahihik for a while. You're a, a writer here, but and now, of course, a filmmaker, and you have a history in the media. So did you just go out and document this? Or as a writer, did you do some kind of a, a fictionalization of this uh, of this event that's going on. It sounds like it really has become a substantive content for your film, and it's in your own way. Yes, it is fictionalized because um, the fact is that Elliot takes care of this all on her own. In my fictionalized version, she has a board of directors of uh, several slightly insane characters who help her put the uh, event together. Um, and uh, a mockumentary is like a documentary. It's shot like a documentary, but it's all scripted. So... I, I wrote all the words for all the characters in, in the movie, and uh, there was very little straying from the script, or shall I say conscious straying from the script. There, there was some where we strayed from the script, and it, it wasn't meant to be that way, but, you know, it was good enough, so we left it in. 
So your inspiration as a writer, I mean, you've lived here now a while, you know this event is going on year after year, something aside from your history as a writer, and you, you do have a, a penchant, shall we say, for comedy. What is the writer's inspiration? Why did you decide to take on this project and go, I think I'm going to write a motion picture around this? And, and what was your, from everything from your inspiration to your approach to writing all of these zany characters? Well, ever since I saw um, Spinal Tap, um, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, uh, even The Trailer Park Boys, which is a Canadian mockumentary, um, I've always wanted to do this particular type of style of movie. I've done two-reelers, what, what they call two-reelers. Those are short films before, um, different films about different uh, situations or different stories. I did one about a man who um, was so unattractive, I, I played the part, that he hadn't had sex in seven years, and he was so desperate he went to the home of a vampire. And uh, he uh, goes to the, this vampire because she has said she'd, like, she'd be willing to have sex. Of course, she's just trying to recruit people. And uh, he asks if she'll put fencing foil tips on her teeth, and she says, no, I have a dental plan, don't worry about my teeth. And uh, anyway, eventually she sucks him dry and uh, actually... He has no blood left, so they have to actually infuse him with blood, give him a transfusion, which is out of the ordinary with vampires. And well, that sounds like a lot of men, perhaps, with their second or third wives. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid so. But uh, anyway, so it was, you know, I've done short films. This is the first uh, uh, full-length movie. In fact, this movie is an hour and 40 minutes, just under an hour and 40 minutes, 100 minutes. So... Uh, it's a full-length movie, and uh, it's got a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's a, an exposition, a denouement, uh, I've, uh, an epistasis, a, a climax, a catastasis, a catastrophe, and a denouement. So it's got the whole thing all wrapped up in it. Um, it's, a, um, it's an attempt to honor Christopher Guest, who is the main, in my opinion, the best mockumentary maker on the planet. So, and the inspiration then again, as far as doing the Ahihik dance, it just seemed like a, shall we say, a, a chosen target, a specific target. Why were you inspired for that? Given the fact that you do have this idea and wanting to do a mockumentary, how did those stars align for you to say, I'm going to do it specifically on this topic? Well, uh, every mockumentary you see has uh, an event in it. They're all planning for, practicing for an event which eventually takes place. In Waiting for Guffman, uh, they're doing... Uh, 150-year, um, uh, you know, like a play. They've written a play, a musical, to celebrate uh, this Blaine, uh, Missouri's 150th anniversary. So uh, in, uh, for example, the Best in Show, they're all planning for this dog show, and they have the dog show at the end of it. In this case, it's planning for the Thrill the World event, and it's what happens while they're planning for it, the problems they run into. We have a great antagonist who is the local um, moral guardian. He's a preacher, and uh, he's dead against this, and he does everything he can to kill the project. Uh, but, well, I won't tell you whether he succeeds or not because that's the fun part. Okay, good. And in your premiere that's coming up the end of this month, it sounds like everybody will be coming out to uh, join in the premiere. And, of course, a lot of the people are also in the film because you've gotten around and you've been able to get an awful lot of people in this film. How many characters are in this thing? Actually, I have, I have 38 uh, 
actors in this film, and I, and that's not counting the extras who appear but have no dialogue. Uh, so it's a very. Yeah, I understand Clint Eastwood showed up for this, did? <laughs> didn't, didn't he do a cameo? Well, he he wanted to, but he he didn't quite fit the part, so I had to send him back. Um, also, he's Republican, so I said, no, you can't be in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen the trailer. You do have kind of a slapback of a piece of humor. What was the line from the trailer? How many Republicans does it take to screw in a, a light bulb? Yeah, it doesn't give the answer, though. Do you notice well, that? Well, no, but my next rhetorical question is how many Republicans does it take to screw another Republican? <laughs> or a Democrat? <laughs> so we have 38 actors, and we have a – where we're going to do it is at the – in the plaza, the Ajijic Plaza, there's a restaurant called uh, El Jardín, and right behind El Jardín is the Club Exotica. It's actually a big uh, sala or a, a room where they actually used to show movies at one time. And they can get up to 300 seats in there, so it's the biggest venue I could find. We have some dignitaries coming, the president of Chapala, because he helped with the movie, and his secretary, who's an amazing lawyer. Okay, I have to ask, president of Chapala, Chapala is like its own little country? Is this like the film where the Paraguay Revolution took off and Chapala seceded from the rest of Mexico? Or, or? Yes, you didn't know that? And you no, live I, here? I, I live here. Not, no, well, I just woke up. <laughs> well, I, I guess we'd call him the mayor, but here his title is the president. And uh, he's a, an amazingly effective man. His secretary, I just am in awe of, and she will come. And then also the uh, alcalde or the president of Ajijic. We also have, we've uh, sent invitations to the Minister of Culture and the Minister of Tourism in Guadalajara. So they may come down and, and watch too. So we have a balcony for the dignitaries and hopefully most of the actors, unless we have actors with uh, vertigo, they can stay downstairs. But most of the dignitaries and the actors will be upstairs, and uh, we'll have the red carpet outside, and we'll have the actors arriving by limousine and then golf carted to the interview area, and uh, people will be able to hobnob with the actors and just have fun. And afterwards, after the show, we'll, we'll also hand out uh, awards before the actual film. Uh, we've got these wonderful acting awards that we will give to the actors, and uh, then we'll show the film, and after that, people can hobnob with the actors. Well, this should be very exciting if you are fortunate enough to get into the venue, which sounds like it has a total capacity of 300. Keep in mind that of the cast, crew, staff, talent, and back end of the below the line, as they say, and above the line, there's about 280 people in the cast and crew and the entire staff. So for the seating of 300, 20 of you listening <laughs> might be fortunate enough to get a ticket. No, I, I'm saying this because... <laughs> this, this, no one's going to go for tickets. <laughs> no, I'm saying this because it really is as far as of all the films I've ever seen and you know some people know I've been around the block a few times in film this is an amazingly large enterprise and a cast and the undertaking I would say probably historically not that it was a mockumentary but a mad 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 world comes to mind as probably having a synchronistically similar large cast with everybody under the sun in this thing and it is truly a zany tale with its own uh, potential risks and so many people with a good intention to do this wonderful fundraiser yeah. and this act of dance really it does tell the story of what happens when things rather can go awry yes 
And uh, most of the actors people will recognize uh, from the local theater, the Lakeside Little Theater, are these are actors that everybody is familiar with, very good on stage, uh, very different being on screen as than to being on stage. A stage actor will make all his mo movements and facial expressions very large because he's playing to the last row in the theater. Whereas when a camera has got a close, intimate shot, you don't have to make a large face or a large uh, hand movement to express something or other. So uh, some of them are uh, um, more stage actors than film actors, but still they do an, an amazing job. I'm very proud of them. They all worked very hard. And actually, comparatively speaking, we were very lucky in that whenever we needed to shoot, people were available or people made themselves available and were very cooperative. And now all those actors have a movie on a DVD that they can show their families and say, yeah, look, look at your famous uh, mother, look at your famous grandmother or whatever. Uh, I'm an actress and I'm a star and that's, uh, that's going to be there forever. No matter how old they get or how many kids they have, they're going to have that CD or that DVD to show them. Isn't that wonderful that there's a running record of their, their life, kind of, shall we say, at the, at, at, in the senior years or, or however you might want to look at it for their own act of creation. Interesting. And this film, of course, you'll have a premiere here in Ahihik, which is probably the most interesting of artist colonies, a very old uh, uh, city or township or pueblo right here along Lake Chapala. But you do have plans for the film afterward, I would imagine. It's, it's not just going to kind of be one-off for the community here. This is going out into the world in some regard, isn't it? Yes. Well, I have this amazing friend. Um, uh, his initials are RK. And he knows so many people. I mean, this man has done this for years and knows how to contact people. He's very sophisticated. He has lots of contacts in the film industry. He's trying to convince me to go to Cannes and to Argentina as if I'm a rich man and uh, to display the film there. But we'll, we'll have to see what the reaction of the crowd is first. And, uh, but I do, I do want to market it. I do want to get it out there and sell the film and just divide the profits up amongst all the actors and the crew. Luckily, we were able to uh, do it with a, a skeleton crew. I mean, we have a sound person. We don't even have a light person. Uh, we have a sound person. We have a director. Uh, we have uh, a camera person. We had a couple of production assistants, but not much. I mean, we, we did this on a, sh a shoestring budget. And this begs the question for uh, aspiring writer filmmakers, and I'm going to lump you together as both writer, filmmaker, and John wore many hats on this. He was also the producer. You were the director. I think you probably even had to get a couple of dogs out of the shot and then say, you're awfully dirty, take them home and wash them and put them back maybe in the scene the next day if they were supposed to be there. So he was the wrangler. So, uh, but, but this is a, a wonderful thing to take a look at for anybody else who might be an aspiring filmmaker and says, you know, I really can't go out and raise whatever uh, the budget would be for a small independent film today. You know, a million, five million, you know, by Hollywood standards, right. if I can use that vernacular, a low budget film can now be construed as anything under $42 million, which right. is really preposterous. Now, this begs the flashback for me to a film that was made back in the early 80s, The Gods Must Be Crazy, and that really truly was made on a shoestring budget, as it was acknowledged, in those days of 14,000 U.S. dollar equivalent, and it made it went on to be one of the highest-grossing breakthrough films of all time, comparatively speaking, for the cost that it took to make the film. In your case, I would really be hard-pressed to do an accounting, and I, I don't think that you would be able to prove to me that you spent more than something like The Gods Must Be Crazy at fourteen grand. I mean, you really did this by hook or by crook. And how many years did this take, John? 
Well, we're definitely under the $42 million budget, uh, way, way below that. Uh, it took me a year to write this, the film, and then it took a year to film it. It should have taken maybe three months, but I didn't want to rush people. I didn't want people to feel harried. Most of these people are here to retire and relax. So I didn't, you know, uh, you know, force people to turn up, at, you know, uh, every day. We did this maybe three shots a week. So it took a year to shoot it and edit it. And I have to say that um, my cinematographer is a, a lady called Heather Krauss, and she is amazing, a wonderful cinematographer with great... She doesn't think she is creative. It's the most amazing thing. She's very creative, and she had wonderful ideas. And she shot it uh, at my direction, and then we edited it together. Uh, with a $99 editing software that is available o over the internet. Of course, the thing was very taxed, so it would move very slowly once we got all 100 minutes down and then started putting subtitles, which, by the way, we have Spanish subtitles and English subtitles because it's multilingual. Uh, you'll see some parts done in Spanish and some parts done in English. Well, we have the opposite subtitles every time that's done so anybody can follow. But uh, Heather Krauss was an amazing find for me. She, she did my wife's birthday party and uh, did so well. I thought, I need to use this lady. She's got a great sense of uh, framing, which is very important when you're shooting. Not too much headroom, you know, not too much uh, width, etc. And uh, so between Heather and myself, we got this done in, in two years. And obviously, hopefully, the payback for you, of course, will be the social acceptance, the community acceptance, and of course getting the film out there and just watching where it goes from here. Well, I know the payback for me uh, probably will have the opposite effect. The community will try to throw me out of town. But uh, no, the payback for me is being able to express myself creatively. Um, I'm hoping that we can make some money. I'm hoping that we can sell this so that everybody involved gets a check. Uh, and uh, so that the next time I write something, which I've started already, um, you know, I can and I hold auditions, I'll get a lot of people interested and be able to say yes. You know, there might be a payoff at the end, and according to our history, we've been able to manage that, especially with my good friend uh, who might be selling the film for me. Well, if your friend is smart, he'll probably arrange that not only do you get a check for this one with a 10-year return, but you'll get an option on the table on a first-look deal for your next films with a budget up front, so you at least have something to work with. Well, then, I'm sure that's going to happen because my friend is brilliant, so, you know... <laughs> He also has very good taste in women. I don't know if you know this guy. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's my, my payback is I just I get to do something creative that I've always fantasized about doing. And, you know, these already uh, a couple of my actresses who have seen the film that they're in have sent it off to their children and uh, their grandchildren, and they love it. They just, they're thrilled about it. Well, I understand you've already had three showings in private for everybody, again, in the cast and crew, which does equal about 286,000 people. <laughs> and so far, everybody loves the film. But then again, they could be loving it because they're going, hey, look, Ma, it's me. Yes, that's true. It could be just that. I'm, I'm competing with Cecil B. DeMille, so that's why I have a cast of thousands. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but uh, hopefully it's it's not just that. I, I hope uh, people will enjoy it. I mean, there, there's some funny parts and there's some interesting parts. And I've, I honestly uh, didn't have to try very hard to make Ahihik look beautiful because it just is gorgeous, easy to shoot and find beautiful areas to shoot here. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, the uh, premiere, it's a dressy affair, you know, black tie. 
Nothing else, just black tie? No, I'm kidding. Please, I, please believe me, I'm kidding, because I know you. You'll turn uh, up there. If, if sh- <laughs> a lot of people have said, Ron, when we start to imagine you with no clothes on, we get violently ill. <laughs> yeah, so we want people to feel good when they see the movie, so please, it's black tie plus all the other accoutrements. <laughs> And I'll be bringing my barrel, of course. So, so, black tie and barrel. Black tie and barrel, exactly. <laughs> Folks, again, the name of the film, Thriller in Ahihik. Uh, aptly named, really great uh, name as a title. I think it's quite catchy. I think putting it out there. I know some people have already put the trailer out into the film industry to try and get the buzz going. And uh, I'm going to wish you and the entire community a lot of luck on this. But before we let John go with the enticement that you really need to go see and be awaiting Thriller in Ahihik. John has also been kind enough to bring in a couple of other stories, so we get a sense of to his writing style, his uh, humor, his perspective. And when we come back, we will be getting to hear from John in terms of some short-form pieces that he's brought in as well. We'll be right back, right here on the Writer's Block. 